Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration. Music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. We open this program with a happy little song, Singing I Go, sung by Del Delker. The trusting heart to Jesus clings, nor any ill forebodes. But at the cross of Calvary sings, praise God for lifted loads. Singing I go. Praising the Lord, praising the Lord, singing I go along life's road, for Jesus has lifted my load. He tells me of my Father's love and never slumbering I, my everlasting King above will all my Supply. Singing I go along life's road, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. Singing I go along life's road, for Jesus has lifted my load. Our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Hear our prayer today, and bless us as we open the Holy Scriptures and seek the truth from thy word. We ask it in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of God O Jesus, blessed Redeemer Sent from the heart of God Hold us who bow before Thee Near to the heart of God. Amen. 
Now is H.M.S. Richards, 
the voice of prophecy speaker, his subject, I have a question. It was a tall man with a loud voice who stood up in the audience and said, Mr. Preacher, I have a question. And he certainly did. Before I could begin to answer his first question, he'd asked at least a dozen. Write them out, I said. Bring them up one at a time. I'll do my best to answer them when your turn comes. It was hardly fair for one man to dominate the entire question-and-answer service. We wanted others to have an opportunity also. Then, if there was time, we promised to take another question from our eager friend and do our best with it. We find that in many of our public evangelistic meetings, the question period is considered to be a very interesting time indeed. So it is in our radio broadcast. Thousands of people like to hear questions answered. So here is the first one on our program today. Dear sir, I have a question. You keep telling us what Jesus did. Why don't you tell us about some of the things he didn't do? Very well. We're sure of this. Whatever Jesus did or did not do, it was all because he was the Son of God. Therefore, the things that he did not do are as important as the things which he did do. First, Jesus never distrusted God. We can almost see him and hear him standing there at the opening of that rocky cave which was the grave of Lazarus. There he prayed these words, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Reading John 11. And we know that startling answer from the dead. Lazarus arose from his grave, came forth by the mighty power of God. No, Jesus never doubted God. He said he knew that God always heard him. His faith was perfect. That's a good example for us. Another thing that Jesus never did was to confess a sin. Why? Because he had none to confess. We read his words in John eight forty six. Which of you convinceth me of sin? His worst critic could not point to a sin in his life. Moses could not say what he said. Solomon could not say it. David could not say it. The apostle Paul could not say it. You cannot say it. I cannot say it. But Jesus could say it because he was the holy, righteous, sinless Son of God. There's one more thing that Jesus did not do. When they buried him, he did not stay in the grave. He did not remain dead. He arose the third day and ever liveth to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 And it's written in Scripture that it was not possible that he should be holden of it, that is, of death. Acts 2.24. The grave could not hold him. Neither can it hold you or me if Jesus is our Savior. For he himself said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. John 11.25. Question. Why don't you say more about the conflict between science and the Bible? Well, I do not believe that there is any real conflict between the facts of science and the plain teachings of the Holy Bible. It's true that some theologians have ideas which they attribute to the Bible, but their real origin is only in theology, not in Scripture itself. There are also some scientists who have theories about science which are not in harmony with the Bible. But the actual proved facts of science certainly must be in harmony with the plain, simple teachings of Holy Scripture because God is the origin of both of them. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the true author of Holy Scripture, is also the creator of the heavens and the earth. Therefore, 
his book of nature and his book of divine revelation must agree. This is certainly indicated in the words of Holy Scripture found in Romans 1.18, Romans 1.19-20. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. We might ask how. The answer is in verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Question, Mr. Richards, why don't you come out plainly and tell the people that you are a Seventh-day Adventist? Well, the fact is I do that very thing so many times, at least once in every broadcast, that I'm afraid people will think I'm bragging about it. I may say to my questioner and to others who have thought of asking the same question, I really believe there are much more important matters to talk about than my denominational affiliation. I'll mention one especially. Do I belong to Christ? Am I his child? Is not that the question which we all need to consider very earnestly? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed Jesus before the world? Are you obedient to all the light he shines into your heart? Are you willing to follow him wherever he leads? It seems to me that these questions are more important than denominational tags, although the latter are not to be ignored. Was it not the greatest Christian preacher of them all, who said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Galatians 6.14 Question. Dear voice, what can you suggest for me to read on the subject of faith and works? One of the best writers on faith and works is the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians second chapter, we find that there are two kinds of works works that people do in order to be saved, and the works they do because they are saved. These two are clearly distinguished, one from the other, in verses 8 to 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 8, that's plain enough, isn't it? Salvation is by grace through faith, and the whole transaction is the gift of God. Then the apostle continues, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's verse 9. If our salvation came by our own works, then we could boast about it. If I were able to work harder than you, or you were able to work harder than I, if one of us put a little more effort, a little more time, a little more energy than the other into it, and be saved thereby, that would be a human theory, a completely anti-Christian theory. Not of works, says the apostle, lest any man should boast. No man has the glory of his own salvation. His salvation comes entirely as the gift of God, by grace, through faith. But notice the next words. For we are his workmanship, it is God's work, not ours that saves us, you see, created in Christ Jesus. Here we have the wonderful new creation, regeneration of the new birth brought to view, created unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. That's verse 10. In verse 9, we are told we are not saved by works. Here we are told that when we are saved, redeemed, regenerated, we are to walk or live in obedience to God. And then we will do the good works which God before ordained that we should do. Every truly born-again, saved-by-grace Christian will walk in all the light he has and will do good works. This will be the fruitage of his new life. 
You see, it's the old orchard test after all. By their fruits ye shall know them. Matthew seven twenty. Dear speaker, I have many troubles. Can you refer me to a scripture promise that will be helpful? I certainly can. Here is one in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I take it that our friend is a child of God, an earnest Christian. There are two kinds of peace, peace with God and the peace of God. One of the greatest passages in all the Bible declares, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those words are found in Romans 5, verse 1. But in times of sorrow and anxiety, test and trouble, sickness and loneliness, we may also have the peace of God. The mother of Mrs. Marie Fleshig of Spokane, Washington, passed away a number of years ago. But before her death, she urged her daughter never to dispose of a certain pillow, of which she seemed to be very fond. So for six years, Mrs. Fleishig kept the pillow. Then one day, when she was renovating the pillow and preparing it for a new cover, out dropped $1,000 in bills. Not many people have had an experience like that. But every Christian has the pillow of God's word, filled with his precious promises. So I say to our questioner and to others, just rest upon the pillow of God's promises. Here is another promise, and these words have meant a great deal to me personally. These words are found in Hebrews 13:5. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Just rest upon that pillow. And here is the sort of question I like to answer. Dear radio preacher, I have heard you say some things that would bring hope to a bad man. But what about a real crook, a real sinner? What about him? I'm glad to answer this. And I say, and say it with joy, to this man and to all others who may feel they belong to this particular class. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The Bible says so in 1 Timothy 1.15. Remember this, sin is sin. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of God's law. You read that in 1 John 3, verse 4. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. It is true that some have committed crimes far worse than others in the sight of men. But who knows which is the worst sin in God's sight? Is it not the sin of unbelief and rejection of the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ? As far as reaching God's perfect standard is concerned, there is really no difference. For we read in Romans 3.23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is his righteousness. All men have sinned and have no excuse before the throne of God. In the judgment day, no one will be able to stand up and say, I had no chance. I had no opportunity. Remember, all have sinned. Now we know that which soever things the law saith, 
it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Romans 3.19. Just remember that. Whatever the law says, it says to all the world, to every man, to you and to me. There's where we stand. There's where every crook stands, every criminal stands, where every human being stands before God in his natural state. There is no difference. And verse 20 of Romans 3 says, By the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But Jesus came. Jesus came not only to represent the perfect fulfillment of the law of God in his own sinless character and life, but he came to die for our sins upon the cross to give his life a ransom for many, Matthew twenty twenty eight. So all who will may come and be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Romans three twenty four. I hope our friend is listening. Will you, friend, who may be listening to this broadcast now, whoever you are and wherever you are, accept that amazing offer, that amazing grace. The public press tells of Harry Spencer, who was sentenced to be hanged for the murder of an attractive young woman in a town near Chicago. Some called him the man without a soul, pacing back and forth in his narrow cell. He gave forth words of hate, and caused a continuous uproar in the cell block, so much so that his fellow prisoners protested. They seemed to think that hanging would be the only way out for this man until a Christian worker, Laura Evans of Wheaton, Illinois, came to visit him and present to him the grace of God in Christ Jesus. She told him the story of the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, who went out in the mountains to seek the one lone sheep that was lost. She asked him to accept this good shepherd's care. The man who was supposed not to have a soul said, I will. And there in the cell he fell to his knees and prayed that God would help a man like him, just as he helped the thief on the cross. All this man needed was a friend to point him to the way of life and to show him that he belonged to God and that God loved him in spite of his terrible sins. The circle of God's love is big enough to include us all. Remember, friends, there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. Like the wideness of the sea, there's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty.
And our lives would be all sunshine In the sweetness of our Lord This is Orville Iverson leaving you with this thought. The light of God still shines on us. So let us continue to look to our source of light and go forward in faith. And now, here is a final word from H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Radio friends, two important points. Every Thursday is Worldwide Prayer Day among Voice of Prophecy listeners and with our workers here at headquarters. We invite you to join this Worldwide Prayer Circle by spending a few moments in prayer, especially on Thursday, for yourself, your family, people who need help in your town, for the missionaries, the workers for God around the world, for the voice of prophecy and the broadcast. The other important notice is this. Every radio broadcast lives on its mail. We would like to hear from you. And now we say have faith in God to know and do the right. Have faith in God to give the clearer sight. Have faith in God. His word is truth and light. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We trust this program has brought blessing to you. Listen in again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.